Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Senior Director of Charts at Billboard. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Deputy Editor Digital. Oh, hey, Keith. Welcome back, Katie. How are you? I'm doing quite well. I I have a four-month-and-change-old child, so I think it's been about that long since I've done the pop shop with you, so it's great to be back. If we're lucky, one of your two kids might make a special guest appearance in the, in the show. <laughs> oh, and I need to thank Jason for holding down the fort while I was gone. Thank you, Jason, and welcome back to Katie. And as always, the Billboard Pop Shop podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop, on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and sometimes guest interviews with Katie's kids and even music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we've got chart news about how we've got double debuts at number one on both the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart and the Billboard 200 Albums chart, and why Fleetwood Mac's classic Hot 100 number one hit Dreams is back on the charts. Plus, we'll be talking about why Shawn Mendes' new single, Wonder, is the perfect song for arenas whenever we can go back to arenas again. Sure. And why Mariah Carey's new Rarities album is such a gift to fans. We also have an interview with singer-songwriter Julia Michaels. She joins us to talk about her new single, her upcoming debut full-length album, and her hit single with J.P. Sachs, If the World Was Ending. So stay tuned for that in just a bit. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com podcasts. Alrighty, let's do the chart chat. First up, it's a very busy week on both the Billboard Hot 100 and the Billboard 200. As we have a new number one, and they're both debuts at number one on both charts. Travis Scott's franchise featuring Young Thug and M.I.A. debuts atop the Hot 100, which is his third chart-topping bow, while Machine Gun Kelly gets his first ever number one album on the Billboard 200 as Tickets to My Downfall debuts atop the list. Franchise launches with 19.4 million streams and 98,000 copies sold in the week ending October 1st according to Nielsen Music MRC data, while also starting with 10.6 million in radio audience impressions in the week ending October 4th. Now, Scott previously opened at number one with his Kid Cudi collaboration, The Scots, earlier in 2020, as well as with last year's Highest in the Room. Over on the Billboard 200, Machine Gun Kelly's Tickets to My Downfall leads an action-packed top 10, 
where it's one of six debuts in the region, the most in two years. Tickets, uh, which is Machine Gun Kelly's fifth top 10 album on the chart, by the way, earned 126,000 equivalent album units in the weekend in October 1st. So after a career of albums that leaned into hip-hop, Machine Gun Kelly has described the new album as pop-punk, and it was largely produced and written with Travis Barker of Blink-182. And with that said, Tickets marks the first rock album to be number one on the Billboard 200 in over a year, since Tool's Fear Inoculum bowed at number one on the September 14th, 2019 dated list. Now, Machine Gun Kelly previously logged six top tens on the Top Rap Albums chart, including the number one general admission in 2015. Also starting in the top 10 this week on the Billboard 200 are new efforts from Super M, Joji, Deftones, Carrie Underwood with the first big Christmas album of the season, and Tory Lanez. Now making waves on the charts this week as well is a classic Hot 100 number one hit, Fleetwood Mac's Dreams. Yes, the track surged in popularity recently after a video of a guy skateboarding and drinking cranberry juice soundtracked by the song went viral on TikTok. And then the band's own Mick Fleetwood had his own viral moment when he recreated the video over the weekend. Waiting for Stevie Nicks to do the same thing. Yes. Uh, The song logged its single biggest streaming week ever with 8.47 million on-demand streams generated in the U.S. in the week ending October 1st. That's up 125%. It also sold 7,000 downloads in the same time frame, a gain of 584%. The song debuts at number 36 on the streaming songs chart, which is an all-genre chart, and that's actually a pretty big deal considering the chart is mostly current hip-hop and pop tracks. So we will see what happens in the next week or two if Dreams continues to uh, dream its way to higher chart positions. Uh, Mm I know I'm a big fan of Fleetwood Mac, and we've actually had Stevie Nicks on the show before, so it's pretty cool to see Dreams doing what it's doing this week. Friend of the pod, Stevie Nicks. Yeah. (laughs) And another another friend of the pod is Shawn Mendes, who just dropped his new single and video for Wonder last week. It's the title track from his upcoming album of the same name, due out on December 4th. So, you know, Keith and I aren't in the same office anymore, unfortunately, and we've yet to discuss the song and video, even though we're both Shawn fans. So what do we think? Keith, we'll start with you. So uh, I heard the song when I watched the video for the first time, and um, I, the video itself is like super epic, so a lot of special effects. It's just very big. I don't know what, how to frame it other than just saying epic. I also thought it was interesting that he's doing interpretive dance, it looks like, or sort of choreographed moves, which I kind of thought, I'm like, wow, like he's doing interpretive dance, and it looks like it's choreographed. And then other people joined him. I'm like, oh my god, there's like a groove of people. And this is something that we haven't seen Sean do before. So I thought it was pretty cool that he did that, because it's not something that we would normally see from him. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, he got his start as just like a kid with a guitar who you know wrote his own song. So yes, we have not seen him do any interpretive dancing up to this moment. Um, and I also just felt like the moments in the video were really just, you know, striking such a a tone of like how epic the song itself was, whether it was the high speed train that he was, you know, on top of or the crashing waves or the massive trees in the forest. And I also just couldn't help but think, you know, how perfect the song is going to be for arenas when concerts can finally happen again, because it just it has a very you know, Kings of Leon sort of vibe, which is definitely something that Sean has done before, whether it was um, In My Blood or even his own cover of You Somebody by um, Kings of Leon. 
And you just, you know, it's a bummer that we're not going to get to see this for a while. But when Sean finally can fill an arena again or fill a stadium, this song is going to be a huge, big, cathartic moment, I think, for his fans. And it, and it just shows. Absolutely. So lastly, among the many new albums that dropped last Friday, including new offerings from Blackpink, Bon Jovi, Dolly Parton, and a collaborative set from 21 Savage and Metro Boomin, there is a new quote-unquote album from Mariah Carey titled The Rarities, and fittingly, it unearths rare and unheard tracks from Carey's vault of tunes going back through her now 30-year career. And I have to say, as a Mariah Carey fan, but I, I would never claim to be an expert or you know know every little release that's ever come along from her. Do you, do you have a membership to the Lamely? I I would love if the Lamely would like adopt me as like a like a step cousin or something like sure. that. <laughs> but I I know that you know people out there know her career front and back and have gotten every B side and every you know Japanese release from 1998. And uh, whereas to me Rarities was all brand new, and it was so cool to be able to listen to a brand new Mariah album that was made during all the various high points of her career. Um, And kind of know like, oh, she was in the studio making this song when she recorded this song. And it just felt like it was like we got a little time machine back to the 90s and and got a a new circa 90s Mariah Carey album. And it just felt special. Yeah, I I, the one thing I want to say on this is that there's a track on the album called Loverboy Firecracker Original and there's an interesting story that goes with it. If you Google it, you can read all about it. Maybe we'll talk about it more next week. But um, apparently this was the original version of the song before the version that we eventually got was released. And I tell you what, this song has been rolling around. This version of the song has been rolling around in my head all weekend long since I first heard it. So um, super interesting story behind it. Uh, go Google, fall into a rabbit hole like I did. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, an exciting week uh, for new music from Sean and Mariah and so much going on. Yeah, Mariah's throwaway songs that could have been massive hits if she'd released them back in the 90s. Yeah, basically. I mean, that's just the power of Mariah right there. Yes. And now it's time for our interview with Julia Michaels. Well, while Katie was away, Jason was, of course, filling in for her. And before he left, he did one more interview with Julia Michaels. So Jason's kind of back. Julia talks about her brand new single, Lie Like This, and how she and her songwriting partners got creative when it came to recording during lockdown. Plus, she teases her upcoming debut full-length album, and just how good of a place she's in in her life right now with her new love and fellow singer-songwriter J.P. Sachs, and what it's been like to experience the success of their hit single together if the world was ending. So, take a listen to our chat with Julia Michaels. So Julia, this is uh, for the Pop Shop podcast uh, at Billboard. Thank you so much for hopping on, uh, talking about this new single um, that I I just was, was saying online was fantastic. So congrats on it. Thank you so much. Uh, but, um, yeah, yeah. Just, just tell me everything about this. The song is "Lie Like This." Uh, yeah, where did it come from, and and how did it come into fruition? Uh, so we wrote it. I want to say in, gosh, I want to say, I mean, I think we wrote it in quarantine. So it had to have been. Hold on, actually, you know what? 
You know what I'm going to do? I'm going I'm to look it up right now. Oh, wow. I like I'm going to get the date wrong. It's fair. I'm going to look it up. When was it sent to me? Oh, it's, it says we wrote it in June. Okay. So not that long ago. So we did write, I, I don't know why, I, I think I told someone we wrote it in February because it feels like that long ago, but I guess it wasn't that long ago. Because um, we did write it in quarantine because we had, like, the way we had everything set up. So I I came back from Paris in March, and that's when everything sort of went crazy. Sessions weren't happening. Music was done for a while, and I had all these ideas, and I really wanted to work on this record, and um, uh, the Monsters and Strangers executive produced this record with me, and we figured out a way to do socially distant sessions because I really didn't want to make an album over Zoom. I just, I really didn't want to do that. So we figured out a way to do it where they would be in their studio, in their room, and the sliding glass door would lead to outside. I would be on one chair outside, and then Pollock, Michael Pollock, who wrote it with me, is on a chair on the opposite side, and they have the microphone being, like, strung out so that I can record stuff. And we're all in math, even though we're all far away from each other. So we basically, every Monday, Tuesday, that's what we would do. And then once we found out about rapid testing, then we would all get, get tested in the morning and then we could all be together and, like, hug each other finally. But for the most part, that's how our session started. And the song actually came about because I was sitting on JP. I was my, my back was on his stomach, and I was sitting in front of him. And I turned my head upside down, kiss him. I'm putting that in the song. And... Uh, we went to the studio, and th- that's how that song started. That's amazing. I, I was wondering about that line because you, you posted on Instagram the pretty upside-down line uh, before the song had even come out, and then he commented on it. So you guys are very adorable. So congr- congrats on that. <laughs> Thanks. It's, um, it's exciting. This album is going to be very much about this new relationship and being in love and being in something that feels easy and nice and secure and stable and not toxic and dramatic like you know like you think love is supposed to be so i'm excited this is gonna be the first my first album i've only ever put out ep so this is my first album and this is the first time i've had a really healthy relationship with love so i'm excited to talk about it that's that's awesome. And I was going to ask how much this single kind of foreshadows the new material coming, but it, sound, it sounds like it, it is a good kind of introduction to the vibe of, of the new project. Definitely. It's, it's really fun. And it's, you know, I, you know, I try to make it still myself and have those sort of alt nuances like I love. Um, but yeah, it's, I think, Right now, we need just some some fun, and we need just things that feel good, and and that's that's a lot of what this record is. I mean, of course, there's there's the ones that make you cry because I feel like it wouldn't be an album, it wouldn't be my album if there weren't. Um, but yeah, it's fun, and it's it's just it feels good. So what is what is the process like? So you know, you're writing these songs, and your you know JP is also a songwriter. And you're writing songs about your relationship. Like, how much, how like self-conscious do you get, or how how does does he ask questions about like what what is this what does this line mean? What is I'm just curious as how that kind of push and pull works between you guys. It's actually funny because sometimes I haven't written a 
song about him where he would be like, you know, not not yet. Anyway, I'm sure down the line that may happen. Um, but it's funny. I, I've written a couple songs on this album uh, about him, and he'll play me a song that he's written afterward, kind of like as a rebuttal. Or like, you know, hey, I know this, this was your insecurity in this song, but let me just, let me just like, tell you why it doesn't have to be an insecurity in my song i love that that's amazing so we're pretty cute it's kind of annoying we're pretty gross we're getting people throughout it's fine um so so meanwhile you you guys have both been working on your music he actually just had a uh a song with Maisie peters come out uh which i like quite a lot and you have this new single meanwhile if the world was ending has become this really big hit for you guys so what what has that been like experiencing this song's success both you know over the course of these few months where it feels like the world is actually ending as well as with jp who's this is his first really big top 40 hit it's been i mean it's been sort of mixed emotions when the song was starting to peak was when the pandemic was happening and um you know there was all these wildfires and there were earthquakes going on everywhere and there was like a tornado in nashville and there was you know it's just sort of all of these weird you know world catastrophes and it, it did feel very real and it, and it felt really bizarre to have a song like this happen and we wrote this way before any of this even took place so we were really conflicted about it for a little while but once we saw how people were gravitating to it and resonating with it in such a time of crisis, then we started to sort of accept it more. Um, this has been a really big year for him. I mean, big year for both of us, really, in terms of song. And it's great that I get to do it with the person that I love. We're very, we're very supportive of each other. You know, we, we want to see each other win, which is like huge in a relationship. It's awesome. Um, and I'm just super proud of them. And yes, that Maisie Peter song just came out and it's awesome too. There you go. Yeah, it, it's it's funny because I it, it's also one of those songs that you don't necessarily see coming as, you know, sort of a, a, a more somber song, but I hear it all over Top 40 Radio at this point. Yeah, it's super, super cool. Um, I'm, fingers crossed it goes all the way because that would be even more cool. Absolutely. So... Uh, I'm curious just as in terms of your focus over the past few months, obviously you have uh, more solo material material coming, but you are also like one of the most prolific songwriters in, in popular music. You, you've already had a, a bunch of songs that you co-wrote come out this year with Selena Gomez and, and the Chicks. Have, have have you been able to find time to do any of that as well as, as the solo stuff? I have a little bit. I think with the pandemic, it's made it easier to be a little bit more selective and a little less run myself into the ground. Uh, so I have a little bit, but I'm I'm really trying to focus on this record. I want it to be the best that I can make it with the best team. And like I said, you know, this is my first album, so I really I it's I really want it to be special. Um, so yes and no. I've had times to time to work with a few people and do a couple projects but for the most part just trying to work on this record right now how different you spoke a little bit about the thematically the progression between 
the the first few EPs and now this new album, but just in terms of sonically, in terms of the production, working with the Monsters and Strangers, how how much were you able to, to kind of try out, try your hand at a, a few new things? Well, I think I've always been pretty experimental. I've always wanted to try things that were different and sort of think outside of the box. Um, I think the biggest difference in this album is that with my EPs prior, it was very much self-reflective. It was talking about my anxiety and my depression and my body issues and, you know, all of those things that that I sort of think about on a daily basis, which is why it was called Inner Monologue. And this is more just about, you know, finding love and being in love and not being bitter about love. And I think, too, for the people that listen to my music, because I have had these feelings before where, you know, you think just because you have these these issues, no pun intended, that you what you're not worthy enough for love you're not good enough for love you don't deserve love um you you purposely search out toxic relationships because you think that's what you deserve and i want i want my fans to know that you can find love even with you know all these things that go on in your head and in your mind and all these things that you feel about your body like you know it's it's and it's when you find it it's so special and it's easy and it doesn't have to be this you know this theatrical dramatic thing you know no i mean it's uh like i having interviewed you a a bunch before you're just like absolutely beaming right now which is really cool to see just really cool to see uh over zoom um and and that's very cool i my last question for you is so my wife and i are like constantly singing at each other and constantly like duetting and making up dumb little songs is that like how much are how much are you and jp doing that we do that a lot actually (laughs) we actually wrote a song on my new album together we wrote it in my bathroom and in his living room and at a park and like literally it took us like six different locations to write the song and we had one of our friends um, ben Rice come to my house and set up a recording studio for us to do it and sang all the choirs together and did all the vocals in my bedroom. Uh, so you'll hear that on the record and it's probably one of my favorite songs I've ever written, truly. That's awesome. Well, I can't wait to hear it. Thank you so much as always for, for checking in with uh, Billboard and the Pop Shop podcast uh, and, and congrats on Lie Like This. It's, it's a really great song and uh, I can't wait to hear more. Thank you so Thank you so much to Julia and next time hopefully I will be there to chat with you as well. <laughs> and now it's time for the chart stat of the week. Well, it seemed fitting to uh, do this particular chart stat considering uh, one of the topics of the show because 25 years ago this week Mariah Carey was at the top of the Hot 100 with Fantasy. The track debuted at number one on the September 30th, 1995 dated chart and spent eight weeks atop the tally. It was her ninth number one of so far 19 leaders on the list. She recently ruled at number one last Christmas with All I Want for Christmas is You. Fantasy also made history as the first song by a woman to debut at number one. 
Previous to that, only Michael Jackson's You Are Not Alone had opened atop the list just a few months earlier in 1995. Fantasy memorably sampled the 1981 hit Genius of Love by Tom Tom Club, which reached the top 40 on the Hot 100 in 1982 and went all the way to number two on the Hot R&B Hip Hop Songs chart. Fantasy was one of three number one hits from Carrie's Daydream album, which also launched the chart-topping Always Be My Baby and One Sweet Day with Boys to Men. So, there you have it. 25 years ago this week, Mariah Carey was living the dream, or fantasy, at number one on the Hot 100 chart. Okay, we have reached the end of our show, and I would also like to point out that this is actually this week marks the seventh anniversary of the Pop Shop, which started on October 3rd, 2013. Oh, yay. I'm so happy to be a part of this. And it's very fitting because Jason and Keith started this back in October 2013 that we had a taste of Jason back. And I'm just so happy to be back in the Pop Shop mix now. So um, happy birthday to us. And what song should we go out on, Katie? Well, all this Mariah talk, and you specifically mentioned Always Be My Baby, it seems like a perfect ending since I'm back with my new baby. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) All right, see you guys next time. Bye. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.